Daily lectionary comments for June the 18th from Proverbs chapter 20, beginning at verse 5, and John chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. All right, let's look at Proverbs chapter 20, beginning, we're going to begin at verse 5. I've said before that Proverbs, many of these chapters in Proverbs are just a whole bunch of collections of short, uh, pithy little statements of truth. And oftentimes there's just not a whole lot that connects one from the next. It almost seems like a random hodgepodge. But it can be fun to try to find a theme that runs between them. And sometimes the theme that we might look for and find is really there. And Solomon really was sort of matching these Proverbs to be read together. And sometimes perhaps not, but wisdom being the way it is, sometimes there is a theme uh, that is there, even if we don't necessarily uh, intend for it. So uh, what, what theme am I going to look at here? Uh, it would, I guess it would be this, a complicated relationship, okay? There is a complicated relationship between what we say, what we do, and what's really going on inside. There's a whole bunch of, of uh, Proverbs here in this chapter that touch upon that in various ways. And so let's, let's take a look at some of these uh, from the point of view of that complicated relationship. And the first will be uh, verse 5. The purpose of a man's heart is like deep water. All right? so, that, so one thing that we can say is what's really going on in your heart, what you're really intending, what your real motives are, is sometimes deep water. It is not obvious. We'll find out that it's not only not obvious to other people, but it's oftentimes not obvious even to ourselves. So that's one thing to recognize. Um, it's deep water. Verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love. So he tells you uh, how he's going to be there for you no matter what, what he says. But the second half of this is, but a faithful man who can find a faithful man, that is somebody who actually does what he says and proclaims. So lots of people promise to do lots of things, but it's truly a rare thing to find somebody who actually does it. And so then we have another relationship between what's really going on inside, what we say, and what we actually do. Verse 7, the righteous who walks in his integrity. Notice. To integrity means that your, your motives, what's going on inside, and how you act are of a piece. They are integrated. So when a person acts with integrity, that means what you see is what you get, uh, and their actual actions reflect what's going on inside. So that's another aspect of that that happens. Verse 8 says, a king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. In other words, he beholds what's going on among his subjects, and with his eyes he detects where the evil and the corruption is, and who's to be trusted and who not, because it's not obvious. Verse 9, look at this. Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from sin. Here's another aspect of that very thing. I can't even say, honestly say, I am free from sin. I have a pure heart because each one of us has enough trouble just trying to discern what's in our own hearts, let alone try to discern for sure what's in the hearts uh, of, of others. Verse 11 points out that even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. So, 
even in children, also in adults, uh, there is a strong relationship between what really motivates us and how we act. We may not even recognize that, but the fact is, it's still true. Verse 14 is kind of cute. Bad, bad, says the buyer. This thing's no good. I won't pay that much. It isn't worth it. And after he negotiates the price of the thing down because it's so bad, then he goes away and he boasts because he got such a good deal in this thing. Uh, it's such a wonderful thing that he just bought. So here again, we see that what somebody says and how they act is not entirely of a piece of what's really going on uh, inside of them. Verse uh, 24, a man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Now that's fascinating. The course you or I are on, and even the motives that we may have, we may not even understand those. Even when we're brutally honest with ourselves, we don't always know the path that God has us on and how it is that his hand is guiding us. And so even the thoughts that we have and that we think we have for this reason or that, we actually have for some other reason. And what the real importance of what it is that we say or we do oftentimes is in the hands of the Lord and is totally different than what we thought. If we can't even understand ourselves, if we can't even say surely to ourselves what's going on within our own heart or what direction we're going or what our motives are, surely it is a complicated thing, this relationship in human beings between what we say and what we do and what's really going on inside. Sometimes there's a close relationship. And sometimes it's actually quite contrary and sometimes it's very, very deceptive. It's complicated. John chapter 13 through 16 is an extended private discourse between Jesus and his disciples in the night when he was arrested just before he was crucified. In it, Jesus tells his disciples that things are about to change. Although he is leaving, he is not leaving them as orphans. The Holy Spirit is coming to them. They will be hated, just as Jesus himself was hated. But uh, they have one another and they are to love one another. And Jesus promises that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit will be with them. Thus, chapters 13 through 16. Chapter 17 is the one we're looking at now. This is the final part of this, uh, the, the, the things that are recorded that Jesus said on that Thursday night before he was crucified. Chapter 17, however, is not directed by Jesus to the disciples. It is a prayer of Jesus to the Father, and it is a prayer for the disciples. It is a prayer for these disciples. It is also a prayer for those who will believe in, in, in the Lord through their word as well. In other words, it's a prayer for the church. And it is the final um, bit of, of teaching that uh, the Gospel of John gives us before uh, turning its attention to the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus, which will begin in tomorrow's uh, lesson in chapter 18. So, this is what's known as the high priestly prayer because Jesus is interceding for his people of all time. So he's praying for the, the disciples that are right in front of him, but he's also praying for us as modern day disciples who believe in Jesus because of the word of these apostles. And it's very instructive to see the kinds of things that Jesus is praying for. Now, rather than going through the prayer, 
I just want to touch upon some words and expressions that he uses that in Jesus' mind on this night before he's to be crucified are most important to him. So he talks about manifesting uh, God's name. Uh, he prays for a manifesting of God's name among his people, that he makes known God's name among his people, the name of God, that is the works of God, what he has done and what he is doing and his attributes, what kind of a God he is. There's a lot of focus in this high priestly prayer on the word of God, on the word of God uh, that the disciples have received and that they continue to keep this word. There is an awful lot of focus on the unity uh, of, of the disciples, that they would be one, that they would be perfectly one, that they would be one with one another, and that they would be one with him. Jesus prays uh, to the Father to keep his disciples from the evil one. He prays that they would be sanctified and made holy by the, the, the word of God, uh, that they would continue in him. All of these things that he is praying as first and foremost in his mind that the church needs, uh, that, that uh, the church not just at that time, but for all time, that, that, uh, that the church is not of this world. It's in this world, but it is not of this world. And so Jesus prays that the Father would protect us from this world. And finally, that he would bring us to share in his glory in the world to come. Look at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me. All right, so this is how Jesus prays for us. This is Jesus' desire for his holy Christian church in the world. And um, surely if that is his desire, we should pray all the more fervently. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven.